So think about all the changes in whatever long lifetime you've had right now or whatever short lifetime that you've had this morning. Think about all the changes that are going on in your life, whether you like them or not. Okay, there's a lot of changes that are taking place. And what I want to speak to us this morning about is the one thing that is not changing. The one thing that we can count on, the one thing that we can believe in, the one thing that we can understand that does not change, and that's our unchanging God. Because in a society, in a world that is constantly changing, we need to have an absolute. And we have that in God. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm, I lined up a bunch of scripture for you so you could kind of keep it with you as you go. Uh, but I'm going to be all over the place, but you can kind of follow along. Uh, you can start with me in James 1.17. should be listed there in your worship guide as well if you want to follow along. Uh, there's one from Habakkuk, and then there's also one from Malachi that I will be jumping in on. So, from James 1.17, it says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heaven, and he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He doesn't change. From Malachi 3.6, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. In fact, in this version, it's pretty interesting, he says, uh, this, I am the Lord, and I do not change. Now, what does that mean to you and I this morning that he doesn't change? What does it mean that he is an absolute? What does it mean for you this morning when you need to count on something? I can remember when I was uh, a brand new uncle that it was kind of fun to play with my brother's kids and then give them back to them because then I didn't have any responsibility, right? And then I specifically um, remember at one point, one of my nephews was growing up, and <laughs> this is sick and twisted a little bit, but it was just how it was. I, I, I played like I was going to give him the ball, and he loved to throw the ball. And I would act like I was going to give him the ball, and then I wouldn't. Y'all get the picture? And then he would start getting more mad and upset and upset. And then he would run and tell his dad and mom, and they'd come, what's going on? I don't know. I, he's just getting upset. You know, I know it's twisted. I would never do that to my own children. But what happened that I realized is that then I would start doing the whole ball thing with him as he continued to grow a little bit bigger. And uh, he, he caught on to me. And all of a sudden, that game was over. Why was that game over? Because he, he couldn't trust Uncle John anymore. And I think what happens with us as well is that sometimes we are going through life, and particularly um, for, for those of us who kind of grew up in the church, <clears throat> we have this context of what church is and what it should be and kind of how we grow up in it, and, and here's all these kind of things that we do. And, and all of a sudden, something happens in church, and it's a little bit like what I did with my nephew with the ball. Something happens in church, and it happens enough where all of a sudden, we don't feel like we can, we can trust church anymore, or the pastor, or that Sunday school teacher, or some issue that happened. And the truth is, you guys, is as we try to trust each other as humans... We have to understand that, obviously, 
we have flaws and, and we're all human and, and we're going to fail, right? But what and who doesn't fail and who's not going to change and who's not going to disappoint us is God. But many times we correlate those experiences of who God is with our experience with other people that have let us down or we can't trust. Or with the church that has let us down or we can't trust. And so we find ourselves in a, in a very difficult spot because most of us have our life that we have these experiences and those dictate to us a lot of things in our life, correct? Because that's how we make a reference point or this is what I remember, this is what happened. And so when we look at this scripture about God never changing and how he even says, I the Lord, do not change. We need to understand three things that I believe about God that, that helps us in, in our walk with him and helps us in our understanding of life here on earth, but also helps us in what's after this with eternity. So here we go. First thing, God's love for me never changes. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. In Psalms 119.15, he says this, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Listen to this from the New uh, Living Translation. Let me find it. It says this, I will study your commandments and I will reflect on your ways. And then out of Romans 8.38, he says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what is the point? The point is this. I never need, you never need, to doubt God's love for you. You never need to doubt that. How much does he love us? How much does he love and care for you and I? He loved us so much and cares for us so much that he did what? He gave his only son to die for our sins. That's how much he loves us. Do you and I sometimes not feel like God is really far away from us? Do we not sometimes doubt his love for us? Do we not sometimes become frustrated at him in the way that he seems to be dealing with us? And in that question this morning... Can I say that sometimes it just feels like we're farther away from him than we want to be or that we think we should be? And in that, because of the scripture I just read, let me ask this question. Who, who has changed? Who has moved positions? Has God moved? Has he changed or is it us that has moved and changed? 
Because God's love never changes for us. Never. And I can trust and I can believe in his love. And I never need to doubt that. Well, you don't understand my circumstances. Look, I, I get it. I, I know that some of your circumstances are far more than I have personally probably ever experienced. I, I can't even imagine uh, some of the things. And I know that as a pastor of a church, I get to hear some of those things. I, I get to sit in on those things. I get to counsel in those. I get to pray with you. I, I get it from that aspect. But I know that, that I can't put myself in your shoes and understand every situation. But I, I do know this for me, that in my experience and in my personal walk with God, that even in the times that I've doubted and struggled in his plan or the way he was doing it or what he had for me. And even sometimes when I felt, hey God, where, where are you? I know, I know in my heart that he loves me. And that he cares for me. And the second thing that I can count on is that, that God's word never changes. So when you go to, to this Bible, when you go to his word, that you can believe in that and you can trust that. In Isaiah 48, it says this, that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God shall stand forever. In Psalms 1, 19, 52, it says, Long ago, I learned from your word, the statutes, that you established them to last forever. In Matthew 5, 24, he says, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. The Bible gives us clear instruct, instructions. It it gives us exactly, you guys, what we need to do. And it gives us absolutes. Why? It doesn't change. Yeah, well, people debate this today. They've been debating it forever. Well, what about the stance on this? No, it, it's only just something that's been brought back again. It's not changed. Look at some of the things that, that we see in the Old Testament and some of the things that people faced and, and some of the things that, that they even did. They built their own idols. Some of us have our own idols. The Razorbacks. For some of us, the Cowboys. Sorry, Spencer, that's just me and you. Our own idols. Some of it, it's our jobs. This last week when, when I was talking to a young lady, it was, it was a guy she was dating. I heard the other day that, that there was a guy um, who had had an affair. And when I really got to asking about that, the truth was it wasn't an affair with another woman. It was an affair with his work is that the wife was telling me that he loved his work more than he was loving his family and her. What do we put as the priority in our life? 
And what we need to understand is that as God's word, it never changes, that it gives us the, the plumb line. It gives us, it gives us our absolutes that we can understand how to make our decisions based upon what God says and what he created us for. And we need that. In an ever-changing world, in, 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 in a place of, 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 of many of our values that have changed in America, and the way that we prioritize, and, and the way that we even do life, from the way that our grandparents to our parents to now us to our children and what they're going to experience is very different. It changes, and culture changes. And by the way, to keep up with your business, you've got to change to keep that going. And then, and then how we kind of do our, our life with our kids and, and what that looks like, that changes. You say, well, okay, well, I'm just going to keep trying to do it the old way. And you can, and you can hold true to that, but there are certain things that if you don't change, you, you get left behind. So how do we stay true to what God says to us is is his values and that he hasn't changed and that his word doesn't change and and how do we continue to purpose in our life what what he has for us? And in understanding that God's word never changes, my point would be this, that that one of the things that I, I think that we all look for is stability in our life. And I would say this morning that stability comes from building my life on Christ and stability comes from from building my life on his word of God that never changes. And so this morning as you make decisions as as you're going through your life are you making those decisions based upon your relationship with Christ? Are you, are you making those decisions based upon what the Word of God says? Or are you basing it on what the market says? Are you basing it on what we're hearing about health care? Are you basing it on how you felt yesterday going into the Razorback game versus how you left the Razorback game? Hello. What are you basing your decisions on? The third thing, God's purpose for my life will never change. Isaiah 14, 24 says this, The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned it, so it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will stand. Psalm 33, 11 says, But the plans of the Lord shall stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. 1 Samuel 15, 29, He who is the glory of Israel, does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a man that he should change his mind. Habakkuk 3.6 His ways are eternal. What does that mean? It means this. The point that I took from this is that God doesn't have plan B for my life. Well, wait a minute, Jonathan. There's a lot of decisions that I... I think if I would have made this decision, this would have happened, and then that would have happened. I wouldn't disagree. 
But God's not surprised by your decision. God's not surprised by our obedience or our disobedience. God has a plan for each one of our lives. And in that plan, he purposes what he desires to happen with our lives. And our heart is to find out what God desires for our life. Listen, man, when, when I was in college, and it's part of why I have a heart for college students, when I was in college, I, I, um, I had several things going on in my life that were not really biblically based. And the, the first one was that, um, that my motto was, why limit myself to one when I could make so many so happy in the dating relationships? Thank you very much. Y'all not get that? Okay, just making sure. My wife's in here, so she's kind of holding me accountable to that. I didn't really want to be tied down, and it had been because my little heart had been kind of, um, I, well, I describe it this way, that, that this, young, this just wonderful young lady had taken my heart, put it in a microwave, and put it on high, and then just kind of see what was going to happen with it. And so I had a little bit of a uh, guard that I had put up in my heart about a relationship. And so my purpose was, hey, I can get away from her That'll help me, and then I want to make sure that I still have my options open out there, so we'll just kind of see who else would like to date me, because I had so much to offer. And then I thought if I got farther enough away, then that would help me really get away from her, right? So that was my plan. And in that plan, I kind of did the, what I call the flyby for God. Hey, Lord, I want to make sure this is okay with you. I'm gone. Here's where I'm going. And so I transferred to another school. And then I had to sit out my whole eligibility thing for football. And then I had to regroup on what's my major. And here's this and here's that. And by the way, I decided to do that about three different times. And I'm still not sure how I still got out of school in five years after transferring like three different times. And somehow I still had hours that transferred that, that, that worked at other schools. And then I can tie it together by telling you this, that God had a plan for me. And here's what I see happen out of Romans eight twenty eight: All things work together for good. Now I can tell you that it definitely was not seemingly my dad's plan that I kept moving around. And it seemingly was not a very good plan on what it did for my academic life. And it for sure didn't help what I was trying to accomplish in football. It did ease a little pain that I had friends that were girls at several different college campuses. I will tell you that from the human standpoint, that helped me. But that was about it. But as I see God's purpose... And as I was able to look through what God did in my life and those experiences and where I went to school and even the opportunities of what happened with me with relationships to other people and sharing Christ, God had a plan. And I can honestly tell you that it was an interesting plan to go from Baylor University where uh, my academic life was 
pretty, uh, pretty um, stressed on how we did because football had to go to, we had our, our tutors, then we had to go through extra tutors, and then they made sure because it was Baylor that you had like three times the tutors. Went from all that kind of stuff to a school that it was like, hey, we're just glad that you're here. Uh, if you need to talk to somebody, go talk to them. And I hope you have a plan to get out of school. Well, that really wasn't a push academically. However, I went from a place where I could wear like shorts and a t-shirt and my flip-flops and where we were, I mean, literally before football practice every day, we watched Days of Our Lives because that kind of gave us some good team unity. Really fun, by the way, to watch Days of Our Lives with a bunch of football players because we talked to the television while that happened. Went from that setting to a setting where every day to go to school, I had to wear a tie to go to school and sit in class because they were preparing us for the real life afterwards. Went from a place who was not sure what they believed about the Bible, if it was all true, to a place that if you didn't believe everything about the Bible, there's a good possibility that you were headed to hell on a bobsled. And that was going to be very bad for you. That was quite a difference in what God had me go through. To, to go through that whole process where he worked all things together for good, where here I am sitting in front of you as a pastor because he used each one of those experiences in my life to bring me together with him in a purpose that he had for me. What is your purpose this morning? Because of your age in here, each one of you have varied purposes in how you want to finish. Some of you have varied purposes in what you want to accomplish. And because of who you are in here today, you say, God, what's the plan that you have for my life? You need to understand it better be based upon your relationship with God. It better be based on his unchanging word. And then you also need to understand that his purpose for your life is the greatest thing that you can get in on. He invites you. He invites you to this journey with him. What is your purpose? John 10.10 10 says this, I have come so that you might have life. The first purpose he has for us is that he gives us eternal life. And he tells us that we can have life abundantly. He gives us life. And that's purpose. And if you ever struggle with what your purpose is and who you are and where you are in life, always go back to the cross. Always go back to the place that you understand what Jesus did for you, what God did for you by giving us his son for our sin. Because that's a humbling experience to say, God, what is your purpose for life? Whatever it is, I don't deserve it, but I'm blessed that you desire for me to have purpose. And he says to have it to abundance. In Romans 8, 29, he says this. He says to become more like Jesus. That's what, that's what he has a plan for us to be. To become more like Christ. To, to learn to think like him. To learn to feel like he felt 
and more importantly, to act like he act. If we were to think like, like Jesus thinks, and we were to act and respond to people like Jesus responds to people, would our community be different? Would your family be different if, if you were to act and respond like Jesus responds? Would your business be different if you and I were to think like Jesus thinks and to respond like Jesus responds? And that's what he tells us in Romans, that, that he purposes in our life, is that, that we would be more like him. Imitators of Christ. And then he tells us in Romans 10.9, I know you're familiar with this, that if we confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then you and I will be saved. And his purpose for people is to be reconciled with our God, the Father, through Jesus, his Son, that we might have life here on earth and that we might have life with him for eternity. He purposed that for our life. He desires that for our life. He he desires that we have relationship with him. That's his desire. So, well, that's not very detailed on the purpose of your life. He has a purpose for each one of your life. He has a purpose for my life. And he invites us to join him on that. And the only way that you can understand what that purpose is and what that fulfillment is and, and how to get that is by spending time with him, by spending time in his word, by learning what to pray and how to pray, by being with others who encourage you and then challenge you also, but also that has accountability to that. And when we find what God's purpose is specifically, then he says, look what I will do with you. And we start being fulfilled. And we start doing what he desires in our life. And what's amazing to me is that my desires start becoming his desires. Or maybe the better way to say it is his desires start becoming my desires. And then I'm about what he desires in my life. Three things to leave you this morning about stress. I threw these in just knowing that my weekend was going to be filled with excitement of young football games with my kids and, of course, Johnny coming to town. Three things. God will never stop loving me. God will never stop loving me. I'm sure that there are some referees from yesterday's uh, game at the Boys and Girls Club that was wondering who the guy was on the sideline that kept yelling really loud. And I know you're all thinking about me, but I'm looking at some of you dads in here this morning that I saw yelling. <clears throat> God's love for me never changes. Even when I make a fool out of myself, his love for me never changes. His love for you never changes. 
The other thing when I'm going through stress that I need to understand about God is that His Word, this Bible, is always right. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about this, or I'm not sure what I think about that. Then you go to His Word, and you find out what God says about it. Well, I'm not sure how to make this decision, or, or what the integrity issue is with this, this business situation. Go to His Word, and you'll find the plumb line for how you need to make that decision. And then the last thing is that God's purpose for my life is bigger than my problem. God's purpose for my life, whatever is out there as an issue or a situation, God's purpose for my life is bigger than the problem or the situation that he has me in or going through. You pray with me this morning. Father, I ask that, that very simply that we can depend upon you. God, in so many things that are changing in our life, we need you. Lord, in a, in a time where it seems like with at least technology that we can be left behind in a week, that's how quick things change. God, we can depend upon you. We can depend upon your word. We can depend upon what you have for us. And we can, we can trust, God, you. Would you, Father, this morning, would you just simply speak to, to any of us this morning, Father, that needs to make sure that we are reconciled with you, with you God, that, that we, we would make sure that we're, we're doing that. And then, Father, would, would you just simply, Lord, just give us understanding in our heart and purpose in our heart about who we are in you and what direction you have for our life and our dependency upon you. And, Lord, any time that, that we want to be prideful or self-centered, Lord, may we just surrender that to you in what you desire for us.